0: Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you all. Um, if you were here last week, um, you might have heard Rob, and he preached a great message on who am I? And uh, so I thought I'm going to continue his, his theme. And so today I'm going to talk about where am I? Um, and next week, what am I? But uh, for now, we're going to talk about where am I? Let me pray. Jesus, help. <laughs> help them, help me. You are the spirit of revelation. Move across this place this morning. And we can't talk about where we are without talking about Jesus. You may have figured it out by now, but we are all about Jesus. Our songs glorify him, and the word points towards him. And so for us to know where we are, we need to see where is Jesus. So would you turn with me to Luke 24, verse 50. Thanks, Tony. I've given you like about 500 scriptures today. He's done a good job. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. So this is Jesus. This is... Right before uh, he goes to heaven. Now, it come came to pass while he blessed them. So he's in the middle of blessing them, and he and he parts from them. He's carried up into heaven. Uh, if we look at First Peter three twenty-one, B starts here. <laughs> so we'll start just at the end of this. So Jesus Christ. Next verse. Who has gone into heaven? So we know he's gone into heaven. Now, where is he? He is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. So Jesus was on earth and he ascended into heaven and he is now at the right hand of God. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God right now. So we know where he is. To sit at the right hand means to operate in the same authority as. The same authority as whom you represent. That's where we get our term, the right-hand man. So if I say I ran a big company and, um, and I had a right-hand man and I'd gone away, I would expect my right-hand man to be carrying out the same wishes that I have for the company. And I would expect everyone else to recognise the authority that is placed on my right-hand man. Makes sense, doesn't it? So it's someone, so Jesus is at the right hand. He is operating on the authority and on behalf of the king. What does it mean to sit at God's right hand? Well, his right hand, God's right hand is mentioned in the Bible more than 50 times. We're going to look at some of the examples of what his right hand is. In Exodus 15 verse 6, we read, "For your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. His right hand is strength." What else is it? Psalm 48:10, "According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. His right hand is righteous, righteousness, or acting in accord with divine or moral law. Psalm 20, verse 6. Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He will answer them from His holy heaven with the saving strength of His right hand. His right hand saves. Psalm 17, verse 7 Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. In his right hand there is a place of refuge. Psalm 98 verse 1, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. His right hand is victorious. Psalm 18.35, You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. His right hand is for our encouragement or comfort. One more. Isaiah forty-eight thirteen. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand up together. His right hand is creative. There's many more. But what's interesting to note, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus fits into all of those verses. Every one. Let's try one. Righteousness. Psalm 48.10. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Jesus is full of righteousness. Strength. Exodus 15.6. Your right hand, O Jesus, has become glorious in power. Jesus has dashed the enemy in pieces. And we know that he has won the battle. We were singing about it this morning. So we see that the right hand of the Father is the same embodiment of what Jesus is still doing today. That is why he is seated there in that place of power and authority. It is a place of rulership. It is the highest place in the heavenlies. Ephesians 1, 20. The last half of this verse He raised him from the dead, this is Jesus, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age which is that to come. So not only... Here and now, but for all eternity, over all things, he is is reinstated to his rightful place in heaven. He is ruler absolute. That is Jesus. You're allowed to get excited about that (laughs) because he's our king that we serve. And he is on the throne. Look at Mark 16, verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Yeah, we've got it, right? Have we got it yet? We've got it. Next verse. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Let's read it again. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So he's in heaven at the right hand, which I've been talking about now for about five minutes. And then they went out and preached everywhere and the Lord was working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Where is Jesus? Is he in heaven? At the right hand of the Father, or is he with them, working through them? Yes. <laughs> yes, he is in both places. He is in two places at the same time, fully present in both. He's not half in, half, uh, half over here, half over here. Fully present. In both places, because his resurrected body was taken into the heavenlies or the spiritual realm, yet his spirit dwells with us here on earth. Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ; it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by. faith faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me so where am i i'm here i'm here on earth but jesus is in me and this is the foundation truth that Jesus lives in me. We we sing about it and we learn about it in Sunday school, don't we? If you ever went to Sunday school, we, we get invited, we get asked to invite Jesus into our heart. And guess what? When we do that, he comes. He comes into our heart. He dwells within us by his spirit. It is incredible. We have given up our rights to this flesh, to this body. It says it in that In that passage, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It now belongs to Jesus, which means everywhere we go, every situation we step into, He is there. He's not just sitting in the heavenlies. He is in us. So that every place we go into, there He is. You're very quiet today. So that means every time, every time you're in a place of joy, every celebration, every wedding where we're dancing in a dorky circle, He is there enjoying with us, being part of that. He's also there every heartache, every trial, every time of mourning. He is there comforting the right hand of God, bringing comfort. He is even there with you in the car as you argue with your spouse on the way to church. <laughs> He's everywhere. Do we have eyes to see that or ears to hear? He dwells in us as the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4:13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of His Spirit, which means if you don't want the Holy Spirit, you are rejecting Jesus Christ Himself. If you're not interested in the Holy Spirit, oh, it's all a bit weird, then you are rejecting Jesus Christ Himself because Jesus Christ sent His Spirit. His Spirit is the very embodiment of Himself in us. And so who are we to reject part of Him or all of Him? We just like the idea of Jesus. Oh, we like, like this concept of Jesus or, or the, the stories about Jesus. He wants to live in us by His Spirit. Treasure Him. You cannot love Jesus without loving His Spirit. Why is He in us by His Spirit? Ephesians 3, verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Complicated scripture, I know. But let me spell it out for you. It is only by His Spirit, from Him, in us, that we are able to fully comprehend His love. By the word comprehend in that, in that passage can be translated as from an experiential point of view. It's not something that you cognitively, oh yeah, I get it. No, it's something that you experience. That's why we need His Spirit in us that we would not just know about His love, we would experience His love and live in His love because when we live in the fullness of His love, we live in the fullness of God. So we need His Spirit to, to experience and live in the fullness of His love, the fullness of God, because it's out of that context which he wants us to do this. Mark 16, verse 19. We read this just before. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And then in verse 20, it says, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the world through the accompanying signs. Amen. Now there's a bit of a timeline jump in between those two verses. Mark's kind of paraphrased or condensed the timeline down a bit. But let me explain that from when the Lord had spoken to them and went up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, if you read through Acts, you get the, series, the, the, the um, example of what happened there, that the, the disciples met and they prayed and then they received the Holy Spirit and they were full, filled with power from on high. And then they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the world the word through the accompanying signs. In all things, love and love alone must be our motivation, especially ministry, especially going out and, and fulfilling the Great Commission. If we don't understand God's love, which is in us by His Spirit, which we experience and He fills us with Himself, we will be doing it out of the wrong motivation. Love alone must be our motivation because it is the very nature and essence Of God the Father. How do we know if love is our motivation? Because love is the result. So, with love as our motivation, filled with His Spirit, we had to preach the gospel with signs confirming. Ah, that's the hard bit. Can I just can I just preach the gospel? No, that's not what it says. I'm sorry. I'd love to say yeah, just learn how to preach the gospel good, and then we're and then we're we're golden. But it's not what it says. In Mark 16 verse 15, this is the great commission. Before we read how he ascended, this is the last thing he said to them. So I guess it's you know it's, you always remember the last thing someone says. So uh, this is why he saved at the end. And he said to them, "'Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature.'" Interesting he used the term creature. Is Pippa still here? No. <laughs> "'He who believes and is baptised will be saved, and he who d- does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe.'" In my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So, with love as our motivation, we are to preach the gospel with signs confirming. What are the signs? Well, the signs we've seen here we, we will be casting out demons, we will be speaking in tongues. We will be performing miracles. We will be healing the sick. What does a sign do? There's an exit sign here that tells us where the exit is. The sign just reveals something or points towards something, makes something known. The signs, we don't all run into the sign to get out, do we? We run to what the sign represents. He wants to make himself known, make himself manifest, made manifest to humanity through us. Just as Jesus did in the Gospels, he is still verifying his identity by the supernatural. John 10.37, Jesus says this, If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Jesus is saying the miracles I do is the verification of who I am. And he still wants to reveal himself to the world to make himself manifest to the world in that manner, in a supernatural way. I can go and study for for years and learn all of the arguments. And you know, there's... um, I won't get myself in trouble. There's ways that we can, we can learn and, and figure out all the questions that people will ask us and have an answer straight away and, and to know all that stuff. And yeah, it's good to have that knowledge. But Jesus wants to reveal himself in a supernatural way. When he shows up, you know he's there. And that's something that challenged me um, in this week away. That one of the speakers said, You know, when Jesus is manifest in the room, do you leave saying, uh, I, think, I think it was the Holy Spirit? Or do you know that he showed up? I'm hungry for that. That we know that he's here, that he's showed up, that he's made manifest. The very words made manifest means to reveal out in the open, to be able to see, be seen in the natural the things of the supernatural. I have lost my place. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's right. Uh, We can't do the Great Commission on our own. We can't just study harder, learn more, because He wants us to be walking, carrying Him by His Holy Spirit and making Him manifest to the world in us, there's no light or sugar-free version. just full fat, full flavor, fully supernatural kingdom expansion. There is no plan B. So where am I? I am here, on Earth. Jesus is in me. Where is He? He's in heaven and He's on Earth. But you know, we are also on Earth and in heaven. I'll say that again. He's in heaven. I'm pointing up, it's not actually up in the sky. Heaven is the spiritual realm. He is in heaven and on earth in us by his spirit. We are on earth and in him in heaven by our spirit. Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And listen to this. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are seated with Christ at the right hand of of God the Father and we're here on earth. We have the same uh, access to the same benefits in Christ, all that right hand stuff of God. We're right there, have access to it. How are we in those heavenly places? It's by our spirit. Philippians 3.20 For our citizenship Is in heaven. From which, from which, so this is speaking from heaven's perspective, from which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that flesh, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, his body that's glorified in the heavenlies, in the spiritual, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. We are citizens of heaven by our spirit, but still, with an earthly body. That's how we're in two places at once. Now, let, let me get this straight. Our spirit doesn't be like when we get saved, our spirit's like, "We'll see you later. I'll see you when you get there." and it goes off to heaven and waits for us. That is me. That is me. It's part of me. It's who I am. I am currently in the heavenly places. I'm not in sitting up in a cloud. I am in the spiritual realm by my spirit. My spirit, when I get saved, is justified. My body and my soul are being sanctified. Big, big, complicated words. Let me explain. When we get saved, we are made right in that moment through what Jesus has done. And our spirit becomes right before God. We can go into his presence, curtains torn in two. There is no barrier. But our flesh (laughs) takes a little longer to get there because we have a soul, a body and a soul. And my soul likes cream cakes and lying on the couch and watching Netflix. My soul and my emotions are in the process of being sanctified. I'm not like Jesus yet but the more my spirit dwells with him in heaven gives me the perspective of the heavenly realm of the spiritual realm of what Jesus sees the more my body and my soul are transformed to become like him. Um, A few weeks ago I became an Australian citizen. Yay. Yay! Oh, thank you. You don't have to clap. Um, but do you know, I'm also a New Zealand citizen. <laughs> how does it work? How, how, how do I become a, how do I be a citizen of two countries? Well, let me explain. Whoever's winning the rugby, that's who, that's who I belong to. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'll always support the All Blacks. When I'm in New Zealand, I am fully a New Zealand citizen with all the rights, responsibilities, and benefits afforded to me as a citizen. However, I am also an Australian citizen in that context. Same, when I'm in Australia, I'm fully an Australian citizen with all the rights, benefits, and responsibilities afforded to me as an Australian citizen, but I'm also a New Zealand citizen at the same time. You know, I became an Australian citizen I've lived here for a long time, and um, and I have access to pretty much all of the same benefits and rights and responsibilities as an Australian person, except for voting and jury duty. <laughs> but I decided to become an Australian citizen because um, during our, our COVID time that we've had, there were possibilities of laws being changed and and difficulty of access between countries and if I leave can I get back, all those sort of questions and you realise you're at the mercy of the lawmakers and that overnight maybe your status could change. And so I thought well I'll become an Australian citizen and so I did and so now I belong here no matter what, they can't just change the law and I can't get back in. I'm no longer an outsider looking in, but I'm an insider looking outward. My perspective has changed. When we are seated in the heavenly realm, we're no longer an outsider looking into the spiritual. We are seated in there looking out. Our perspective has changed. Do you have eyes to see from that perspective? It's easy for us to just look through these things, our natural eyes, our body, which screams so loudly for its needs to be met that sometimes we forget we have a spirit and our spirit has something to say. Can we hear it above the cacophony of our, mind, of our mind and our body? Colossians 3 verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. We are with him in heavenly places so that we can see things from his perspective and we get to live our life from a heavenly perspective, not our natural perspective. What does this mean? It's easy for us in our natural state to focus on decisions from a natural point of view. So someone might ask me, Johan, should I, um, 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 what should I do? Should I get a job or should I study? I've got this decision to make. And I can say, what do you want to do? Oh, well, I really want to study. Great. So as you go into that world, preach the gospel with science following Oh, Johan, I don't know whether I should stay single or get married. What do you want to do? Oh, I'd really like to get married. Great. Go into that world and preach the gospel with signs following. Ah, oh, should I go to Africa or should I stay in Tasmania? What do you want to do? Oh, I'd really like to stay in Tasmania. Is it part of the world? Yes, it is. Go into all the world, preach the gospel with signs following. Our natural vision, seeing just with our natural understanding, it limits God's purpose to us making correct life choices. But with heaven's perspective, your decision becomes a vehicle for God's purpose. I'll say that again. In the natural, our natural vision limits God's purpose to making correct life choices. But with God's perspective, your decision, whatever it might be, is now become a vehicle for God's purpose. When we live with an understanding we are already seated in heavenly places, it changes our perspective. And those great, important, scary life decisions that we have to make, now they're just an avenue of God's purpose, no matter which one we choose. Our perspective has changed becomes less about making the right decision and more about how can we advance God's kingdom in the decision that I've made? And yes, he will still help you make those hard decisions if you're freaking out. Second <laughs> Timothy 1 verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, so don't fear, calm down, but of power, signs following, power, Love, the experience of his spirit, the fullness of him in us, and a sound mind. The word sound mind can be translated as good judgment. The ability to make, to understand and make right decisions. You already have everything you need to make good decisions. So make them. Trust in him. And make them with an understanding that, from a kingdom perspective, it's not about the decision. The decision just places you in a world where you preach the gospel with signs following. You know, as um, as a citizen of two countries, I get to I can easily and without limitation travel to each country. When I go to New Zealand, as a New Zealand citizen, I can enter on a New Zealand passport. They can't keep me out. Well. <laughs> I won't go there. They did for a seat. Anyway, I won't go there. Um, as a, an Australian, with an Australian passport, when I come back at the border, I'm an Australian. So I just come in there. They can't keep me out. I have access to both without limitation, to both countries. If, if it was possible for, for me to pull New Zealand and Tasmania cl- close enough together that I could stand one foot in each, I'd still be, legal. I'd be a legal. There'd be a legal status for me. i have to hold both passports, but that's okay. Just because I'm living in one doesn't mean I'm not a citizen of the other. You know, in First um, Peter 2 verse 9, it, it it calls us a royal priesthood. The, the Latin word used for priest is pontifex, where we get our word pontiff, which is used in some streams of the church. The literal meaning of that word is to be a bridge builder. When I was a, a younger man, I went to East Timor for a, um, it's kind of like an adventure. I, was, I went there, I felt God called me to go there and, and, um, and so I was just leading, following the leading of his voice and I was in East Timor and while I was there I bought an old motorbike and I was using that to kind of explore around and, and drive up and over the mountains and in the jungles and, and I realised that there's a border in East Timor with Indonesia and I grew up in New Zealand and I'd been living in Australia I'd never seen a border we don't have borders. We just have water, and so I thought I'm going to go have a look at this border. See, check it out. So I jumped on my bike and and I drove for a few hours and 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 I got to and at that stage there was um, the East Timor was under UN uh, control. There was no governing body. It was just after the uh, referendum and and troubles. And uh, I got to the border and there was an army a foreign army sitting there on the a UN foreign army, sitting on the border, guarding that border. And as I approached, they lifted the boom gate over the bridge. There was a river and a bridge, and I just kept on going onto the bridge. And I'm halfway across the bridge, and I hear some commotion behind me. And I look, I look behind. I can see the border in front of me, the Indonesian border. I look behind, and there's half the army running at me, yelling stuff. And so I stopped the motorbike and, and a very irate commander comes up to me and says, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And, and where's your passport? Which I didn't have on me, which he really didn't like. And, and where, what's your idea? Who are you? Why, what are you doing? And this is closed. Why are you even here? And I'm like, I don't know. They opened the boom gate. I'll just get driving. <laughs> Why were they guarding that so well? Well, they weren't guarding it that well because I got to drive on it. But why were they there guarding it? Because it's the access point between that state and that state across the river. We are bridge builders. We are seated in the heavenlies and we are positioned here on earth. We are to be seated, positioned, anchored in both worlds. We create a bridge between the two. That's why we're bridge builders so that we can see with the perspective of heaven and we call it down and we release it here on earth. We're not meant to be positioned so much in the natural, so much on earth here that we kind of, eh, there's some spiritual stuff, but it's not. No, no, you're designed to be sitting there and you're designed to be seeing what God sees and is making available to the planet that we can pull it down and reveal it to those around us. We can't just be connected at one end. Because if we're just connected here in the natural, we'll be so relevant and approachable, but we'll have no power. We'll have no authority. We'll have nothing different to what the world can offer. But we can't just be seated here in the heavenly and just be living in glory and just seeing from God's perspective, but it never connects with the earth that we're still actually living on as well. We're called to live in both that we can reveal one to the other, connected at each end. I might get the team back up. Um, we're going to worship, and I want to... Um, we'll do a song, and at the end of that song, I want to make a time. If you have... Uh, if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit... Then I want to make a time for us. You come down the front, there'll be some people who'll pray with you. It says in the Bible, the whole, God gives the Holy Spirit to them who ask. Something special, no special ceremony we have to do or special prayer that you've got to. You just have to want Him and ask. And He comes and feels us by faith. So maybe you feel something, maybe you don't, but you receive Him by faith, you don't receive Him by feeling. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, we're going to make a, a place for that. Because without the Holy Spirit, we can't, we can't see in the heavenlies. We can't, we can't represent him here on earth the way that he is asking us to do.